Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. You're joined by Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow together for the first time on one of these shows <laughs> in a while. We were trying to figure out when we last did something like this in the pregame, and and it's got to have been, it's got to have been at least two weeks. But I know, like, we talk every day, so this gets a little <laughs> confusing. So, how are you, Josh? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Just in the bowels of summer now, and I feel like we just kind of got our now that summer league's over, it feels like we kind of got clearance till you know August whenever Lucas starts up. Yeah, uh, yeah. International ball again, so we're kind of in the dead zone right now. Well, and and the dead zone is really right because you know we're we're waiting <laughs> for whatever hat. Like we're recording this on Thursday, the twenty first, at about eight fifteen, and you know. It, it earlier today, like there's just been kind of an impending feeling that the Donovan Mitchell, whatever's happening with him is happening sooner rather than later. And then of course, just like nothing, because that's the way these <laughs> things go. So while we're all kind of sitting here wondering what's going to happen, like it, it feels like there's, there's a lot of like impending questions about could the Mavericks take part in one of like whether as a peripheral partner, as a means to like facilitate salary, the Mavericks has done it much to work with. So it's like if they're going to be involved, it's because they want to be involved and they like the, the numbers can match right. But so as we just kind of sit here and wait for everything to happen, there's not a lot for us to talk about in, in the macro or like in the specific sense, but except to sort of like work ourselves up about things that has actually <laughs> happened. Like I got into a epic argument with our buddy Dalton today in, in DMs about Josh Green. And after about 10 minutes, I'm like, this isn't about Josh Green. I'm mad or rather irritated because we got to the Western Conference Finals and now Josh Green has to matter going into next season. And, and I think we've sat on this long enough. It's been three weeks to the day since free agency started. Through yeah. three weeks, this has been a very disappointing offseason. Yeah, I don't, you know, I mean, even if you're an optimist or someone who looked last half uh, full, I mean, I don't know how else you could really look at it. You know, you lost Jalen Brunson. You know, basically, it's been three players, Brunson out, uh, McGee and Wood in. Um and I think if you would look at that in the aggregate, I would think you would think that's probably a little bit of a of a step back. Um, considering, you know, where the Mavericks ended the season against the Warriors, I think the big thing was they just need more guys that can play in the playoffs, more guys that can give them minutes because, you know, they were basically playing like a six-man rotation. You know, Dwight Powell was a starter only in name, and he was playing like seven to eight minutes a game. You know, Josh Green kind of floated in and out of the lineup. He had some moments in the playoffs, but he wasn't able to stick. Frank Nilakina had some moments, wasn't able to stick. You know, they just they yeah. needed one more guy to consistently give them minutes. Consistent then, minutes, like reliable yeah. stuff. Right, yeah, like a ro- everyday rotation playoff guy. And you could presumably argue that this offseason so far is they've lost one and gained none in, in terms of player transactions. Now, you know, Christian Wood is hopefully going to be one. Um, but JaVale McGee, you know, you don't anticipate him being like a 20 minute playoff guy. Um, and then I guess, you know, the hope is Tim Hardaway Jr. is, is some, is some sort of addition. And, you know, regardless of how you feel on him, I mean, he's going to get minutes and he's, he's going to help more than like, you know, the green and Frank and Trey Berkman, even, 
even at his worst, like he'll he'll still be more productive. It's gonna uh, be a different something. It's yeah. gonna, like, but the production, like you can feel a little more like there's there's gonna be something there, and yeah. and it's something because the the first over under lines came out. 47 and a half is the Mavericks line. And for me as a non-gambler, it's just an utter stay away. Now the Mavericks won 15 <laughs> games last year. That's four and a half games fewer than they won. That's basically the betting line. I got a, got a guy I chat with, and most of you guys know this, but I respond to most direct messages on Twitter. So long as you're not like a consistent asshole, like even if you're regularly an asshole, like, I, I, I like talking to people. It doesn't matter. He was giving me some grief where he's like, you can't say that the Maverick, like you're, you're this down on the team already. And I'm like, I'm like I I I'm up on the t- I'm up on Luca. Okay, you tell me Luca's playing seventy plus games and is a real MVP candidate, then I am here for anything. But where I get frustrated with the offseason is it feels very much like the post championship Dirk years, where it came back to well, we have Dirk, well we have Luca, and having Luca is an awesome bet. Like it it's a great fallback card. It just it, it it's just a little bit tough to swallow because everything else the Mavericks have done becomes more like everything becomes more important and you lose Brunson for nothing. And, you know, in a way where like he's giving another um, and Brunson's giving another interview, uh, which is coming out for JJ Reddick's podcast tomorrow. And the first time he talked, if you read, if you listen between the lines, he makes it sound like he would have signed had they offered before before the trade deadline, and he wasn't interested after the trade deadline, which he still could have signed because Dorian Finney-Smith did. And there's just enough going on where it's like it's just kind of one body shot after another <laughs> that it's just it, it's I'm not like despondent. That's not what I mean. And if I like people kind of misunderstand that online, where it's like. I'm really not like they, they performed excellently last year. Like they're going to win. Like the floor on a Luka Doncic team is probably 45 games. Like it, it, they're going to be real good. It's just, you know, are they going to be top four seed good? And people argue with me on this where I'm like, if they lose two more games, they're like sixth. Like what do we do? <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's very difficult. It's, it's a difficult balance when you're trying to talk about it because yeah, like you said, people probably think you think they're going to be like a lottery team and that's not what you're, you know, that's not what you're saying because, I mean, we all know Luca running the show with shooting and say what you will about losing Brunson. I mean, they still have Bullock, Finney Smith, Maxi. Now they've got Wood, THJ coming back. They're, they're still shooting on the roster. They could, they could use some more for sure, but, I mean, there's still enough. Um, they're still apparently, for what we know right now, going to play the the one big two wings Luca and another ball handler lineup that really powered them in the second half of last season. You know, if you believe that Christian Woods coming off the bench and JaVale McGee starting, and I know there was a kerfuffle about that and I understand that, but it, there was like a weird relief to me because I almost think I would rather them do that than try to smash the square peg in a round hole with starting Wood and McGee at the same time, because at least like if they're starting McGee and bringing Wood off the bench, they understand why they won games last year, right? Because you're, right. they're still going to start Luca Dinwiddie, the two forwards, and a, and a and a rim runner, which is the formula that carry. Like, I mean, they were one of the best teams in the NBA and got all the way to the Western Conference Finals behind that formula. So, like that formula, like <laughs> they can only be so bad. 
Like it's just, it's just Luca is just that good, and that that formula works. So the concern is just you know injuries and the two ball handlers. The only two ball handlers on the roster right now are both guys that haven't really played a full season in a while. In a while, like Luca has kind of low-key become a little bit injury-prone like the last two years. I mean, he's well, missed he time. Well, an injury because of his play style, yeah. it's kind of like a catastrophic injury because he plays like a downhill running back, and he's so tough that when he comes down on somebody's ankle or something like that, it just – I mean, he's a 240-pound guy. When you sprain your ankle coming down on one foot, like, it's going to be bad. Like, it, it's yeah. not like he ever, like, lightly rolls his ankle. When he <laughs> rolls his ankle, it's like, oh, no, did he break his ankle? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're two seasons where he's missed, like, what, you know, 10 games-ish the last two – each the last two seasons because of a, very, you know, ankle injury. Is, so Ankle injuries, physical play, call it what you will – there's just going to be a nature of wondering, do they need to protect Luca from himself? Because he wants to play every game. Oh, like yeah. Not, I mean, look at how much ball he's playing overseas. Like, once again, he's not getting a summer break, um, which yeah. is, you know, depending on your point of view, either good or bad. But it, it's it's just, it's this roster is, um, at the moment, exceptionally Luca dependent in a way that last year's ended up not being. I mean, Luca's obviously the engine, but you don't win, you know, you don't win two of three playoff games. You know, Brunson was that important to the team. Yeah, I mean, think about how poorly they, you know, they were 16 and 18 at one point last season. You know, Luca was hurt uh, at portions of the early part of the season, but he was also, you know, he, he wasn't up to his standards. He came in the season out of shape. A lot of other guys were, you know, Finney Smith and Bullock slumped crazy like they were crazy slumping at the beginning of the season like no one really played well except for Brunson like if you think about like where would the team be last season if they didn't have Brunson because they were 16 and 18 in December and Brunson was playing really well like imagine if Brunson also was slumping or you know he didn't take the leap that he took last season like they could have been in a much bigger hole than they had to climb out of and I think you know Brunson was like the most consistent player on the team from opening day to, you know, January 1st, I feel like. Uh, and yeah. then Luca got healthy and they got rolling. They traded KP and the the pieces started to fit a little bit better. So, you know, you don't have that luxury. You know, if Luca starts the season again slow, he, he, they don't have that Brunson backup plan. You know, it's all going to be on Dinwiddie. And if one of those guys misses games, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of it. There's no... There's literally no point. There's literally no one coming off the bench that can res, pres, right. like presumably run a lineup. Like Frank Milikina is a point guard only in yeah. name. He's he's a three and D guard, and and you know, you know, we joke about Josh Green, but he, you know, he's not going to be a point guard. See, I uh, now I demand like I'm to the point. This is this was part of my argument with Dalton. Where I'm like, if we're gonna if if we are gonna invest ourselves in Josh Green, let's get weird. Because I'm Josh sure. Green is not Dorian Finney-Smith. And that's so far the role they've shoved him into. Dorian Finney-Smith is a special, specific basketball player that can do things really well because he took 500 three-point attempts by the end of his first three years. Our man, our man Josh Green has taken just over 100 in two seasons. It's not his game. I want to see him do the things he's good at. Josh Green is an interesting ball mover. Like, I really don't hate, like, I know it's a crazy thing. They're never going to do it. But, like, let's get a little funky with some of these lineups. That, anyways, that's a, that's yeah, a bit sure, of a side tangent. It's just, 
like there's some real um there's some re- I don't I still don't know what to make of last season's team other than to be happy about it because they started the year 17 and 18 and finished I think like 35 and 12 like like that's insane they won 75 percent of their games yeah and I mean I think the thing to learn is you know KP thing did not work because I mean the season started to turn around like I know the trade definitely spurred it on but the turnaround really started when like KP missed what like 10 game like five to ten games before he got traded when he went out and they went to the pal Luca Brunson Bullock uh Dorian lineup like that's when things change like that's the the blueprint and basically what you want to do is just keep getting better players to fit fit that mold I think they're pretty good with the three and D wing you know with Finney Smith and Bullock and now they got to probably upgrade the the secondary ball handler spot uh, either off the bench or with Dinwiddie. The thing that's interesting is, you know, I know that there's a lot of consternation about the off season. I know how there's been, it's like Charlie Brown getting the football pulled away from him in terms of how many times have we heard, well, the off season's not done yet. Like they got to have something up their sleeve. I feel like we've heard that the last three off seasons and nothing's really happened, but the fact that they seemingly promised Goran Dragic like a really limited role, despite the fact that like if he was on the roster right now, he would be the backup point guard. Like God, I guess we've they, not talked. Yeah, they yeah, we haven't talked since then. So they have to have someone like if that's the role they were offering him, you know, either they're delusional about the roster or they've got another name penciled in for that backup guard spot. Um, well. It's the only way that makes sense. And again, that kind of falls on, can they pick off the scraps of the Jazz whenever they trade Mitchell because they'll be in full rebuild mode. And my prediction is they probably end up with uh, Jordan Clarkson, who I think would kind of slide into that backup six-man guard role really well uh, for what they need. Because like, what if Utah trades Mitchell, like what do they need a guy like? Like why do they need a 32-year-old six-man-of-the-year player? Like they, they just don't, so... I would imagine once that trade gets done, you know, there's going to be some interesting veteran pieces, I think, on Utah that the Mavericks could use. And I wonder if they can maybe get in on that. Although, they, like you said earlier, they don't really have that much to trade right now uh, can, in terms of draft capital. Can we? So this understanding, guys, like this podcast had no structure. I asked Josh to talk and we are talking. So this is going to go places. <laughs> and places we didn't really gamble on. So I want to touch on something, and I want to see if you agree or where your position is. So when you read about what Dor- Goran Dragic said after the fact in terms of what the Mavericks offered him, and he gave this, he did this last year when he talked to a, like a local paper and said some things in a more candid way than he, way more candid way than he would have said to the American media, and essentially said they offered him the cheerleading role. Um, I'm paraphrasing to a degree, but he's, they said they weren't going to play more than one in five games. And you read between the lines, and there's some clear what the hell going on. Now, that on its own, okay, I kind of roll my eyes at it. Then you talk to, then you, then you hear Jalen Brunson's introductory press conference with the Knicks. And there's some sense of the fact that Jalen Brunson felt disrespected. Now, I don't know, like on those two incidents on their own, I think I would tend to hand wave because 
athletes, particularly professional athletes who are so good at their craft that they need, sometimes they like need something to get mad at the Michael Jordan, like, and, and, you know, it became <laughs> personal for me type thing. Like athletes are like this or crazy people. Um, and I mean that in the best way possible, but when I hear these two things together, I find myself a little bit, my, my hackles have raised is, is where I will go with it and say, what is going on here to where Luca's mentor who shares an agent with Luca left that conversation feeling disappointed. I mean, I'm going to be kind here, like disappointed in what the offer was. Am I making a mountain out of a molehill here now? And I'm just sort of keep in mind guys, like I'm just sort of, I'm thinking out loud. I, I've not really, I've not bothered to put these words to paper because I don't think it's a good idea for a post or anything like that. I'm just, I find myself a little bit concerned, I guess. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it just, it just depends. And do they enter training camp with this exact roster? Then you're going to be like, wait, like how could, how could you not find time for, for Dragers? Like that, that literally just doesn't make sense. Like there, there's no, rational explanation for that if they just enter the off season with the exact same group of guys they have right now july you know evening of july 21st so the only thing that makes sense to me is like i said if they just they have a guy earmarked for that that's that role and it depends on you know the Kyrie trade or our kd trade or what i think is more likely is the mitchell trade because you know you look at utah and they've got Donovan Mitchell, Mike, or they've got Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, and, and and Boyan Bogdanovich, and it's like they won't need any of those guys if they trade Mitchell. Like that, that's, you know, if you trade Gobert and Mitchell in one offseason, like they're they are starting the rebuild, and you don't yep. need thirty plus year old veterans that make some money, you know, as part of your rebuild. So if in three weeks the Mavericks are getting some draft compensation and taking on the awful contract of Mike Conley to be their backup guard, it makes a little bit more sense why they would tell Goran Dragic that, Hey, you're not going to, you know, we don't have the minutes that you, you know, these are the minutes we have for you. It's not that much. It's a smaller role. Like that'll all make sense. But I think what's frustrating is there's just, you know, there's just nothing. You're just kind of sitting here waiting. Like I'm saying, you know, I think that maybe Jordan Clarkson's going to end up on this team, but that's just me pulling it out of my butt. Like, there's no sure. reporting. Like, no one's saying anything about it. So, there's that. And then I think there's also part of it, I wonder, is with Nico and Jason Kidd. I mean, it was the biggest shakeup to the Mavericks uh, front office, you know, non-playing roster in, you know, what? 10, 10, 12 years. And then, you know, Donnie goes even far, farther back than Rick. Like Donnie's been part of the org for, you know, 20, 20 plus. So I wonder if part of it with, you know, with Brunson leaving and, you know, not particularly showing big interest in Goran Dragic, it just like, you know, it's just different guy. Like they're just different guys in charge now. And there's a different coach that wants, a different set of players than the previous coach did, or maybe the previous GM did. And, you know, Nico Harrison didn't draft any of the players on the roster. You know, the only guys he's responsible for bringing in, you know, are, you know, that are on the roster right now are Bullock and McGee and, and Wood, you know, like 
he inherited Luca and, and Jalen Brunson and Finney Smith and Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba. And maybe, I, I mean, I'm again, I'm just speculating. I'm just, maybe Brunson wasn't, you know, he didn't draft Jalen Brunson. So maybe there just wasn't that emotional attachment to him to want to spend whatever money it took to keep him. Like maybe in his mind, he's like, okay, you know, we can, we can, we can earmark that money in two years for someone like we can, we can find someone else. Like maybe that's just his mindset because he didn't draft that guy. And like, I think we've seen in the league, like GMs are, you know, when new GMs and new coaches come in, I mean, they usually shake things up and they try to build the team and the org and the roster around how they, how they see fit. So, and I think me and you both agree that Luca is the only guy on this roster that is untouchable, right? Like, I mean, you know, I mean, we both, I think we both loved Brunson and I still think it's a mistake to let him walk. And I think I would have rather had him here on this team for, for whatever money it would have took to keep him. But at the end of the day, I, I understand that Brunt, like he's never, he hasn't made an all-star game. Like he's like, at the end of the day, I know that he's not an irreplaceable player in the long run. So, I mean, I wonder if it's just part of that. Like they're just, you know, it's a new GM and we haven't had a new GM in Dallas in a long time. And I know Cuban's still part of it, but and I know Cuban makes a lot of decisions, but like, like I don't think Mark Cuban signing like is 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 recruiting and signing Reggie Bullock. You know, like I, those types of moves, I I've never believed him to be like the guy that's driving that. He's probably the guy that's saying, okay, I approve on the money and all that stuff. But like, I don't think he's going to Bullock's house and getting him to sign or on the you know <laughs> initially. Like that's usually GM. Like you know, like I. I like Donnie was the guy that was signing the Brandon Wrights of the world and, and, and the host, you know, trading for, you know, getting Jose Calderon and, and all that kind of, you know, like, and I always picture Cuban as being like, he's approving of the money and approving of the big picture stuff. Um, you know, I know some people disagree because they think he, you know, he definitely has his hands on a lot of aspects of the, of the basketball decision-making, but I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling now, but I just kind of feel like maybe that's, maybe that goes into it. It's just, we haven't yeah. had a new GM and I'll, long time and new GMs think differently than the old ones. Right. Yeah. I don't know. No, I'm sure you're like, I think that's probably the right take because just because they fell upon a style that works, like I'm still that the basketball worked like Spencer Dinwiddie shot 40, <laughs> 49% from the floor and 41% from three. He is a career 41% from the floor guy, 32% from three guy. Like he has these stretches where he is just hot sauce and the Mavericks caught an elongated one when then he fell off the map in the playoffs only to find himself after another two more weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's, I still wonder what their intent, like their intent was to split up the money and to get into more digestible contracts. They've talked about this, but I still, I'm curious as to, if because if they earnestly felt that getting another ball handler was that important, then this offseason wouldn't have been this funky. <laughs> because they went from having like three and a half ball handlers to two. And that's a little <laughs> yeah. difficult. Like I the bigger picture that exists, like I gotta keep coming back to this, is I'm still very confident. I'm also, and I think we we both had to be honest about this, there's some hedging involved here because. It's been such a peculiar offseason with some of these bigger stars that if the Mavericks come through with something different, that changes our assessment. When I say through three weeks, I'm a little disappointed. I don't think that's unfair. I, no, I don't think so either. 
Okay. Okay. Because yeah. I, I, I've tried, you know, we've taken some peculiar criticism ourselves the last several weeks. And it's got me kind of miss, it's got me sort of like questioning elements of how you and I talk about this team. But I think that has much more to do with the fact that we just haven't had Dallas basketball in a month and a half, like almost two months now. So it's like, I'm probably just overthinking elements of this because, you know, I mean, you and I were pretty tough on the team to start the year and the team also wasn't very good to start the year. And then they started playing really well and we had a great time. And so it's like, I always try to like, like there's criticism and then there are people who just don't care for what we have to say. And when there's like a little bit of like, like I always try to like, like really listen whenever any one of my friends, you know, my wife does this too. Cause she's like, she's a lawyer. She tells me how she feels. She is critical. And so it's like, I always try to like think about that because obviously you and I, we don't affect anything, but we do have a platform <laughs> where people want to listen to us and engage with us and they read our work. And so it's always, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe this off season will end up being fine. I, I sort of have, personally settled on the fact that this may just be the the offseason where the Mavericks take their medicine because you know I was re-listening to our 2019 podcast kickoff free agency and you and I had a lot of worries that at the time like like it's so funny listening to it because you were so pissed about them not getting um uh, Patrick Beverly. You were I really wanted him that summer. And it's like the fact that he might be on the table right now with somebody they could get is just the most maverick shit ever. But- right. He's he's another guy that's like he's on the jazz. The jazz do not need <laughs> Patrick Beverly. Come on down. That's oh, great. Yeah. And it it's so funny because some of what like the specifics of what we were mad at were off key. But the bigger picture of this is concerning for a team building future, we're pretty fair. As a result of, you know, falling in the lottery in 2018 and moving two draft picks to get Chris Tapps Porzingis, even as we talked about this, I knew it was difficult to make moves, but I, I still don't think I understood just how badly it hamstrung them. And then you add on top of the fact that the picks market right now is simply out of control. What the, yep. what the Minnesota Timberwolves did to go get Rudy Gobert is beyond insane. They might be a four seed next year, but I also think they're going to get swept in the first round of the playoffs. Like, not swept, but beaten. Like, And then Donovan Mitchell, who, again, the Mavericks just abused and embarrassed, might fetch a haul of picks. That makes me feel like a lunatic. Like, <laughs> I've been joking with people. I'm like, well, what if Luka demands a trade in 2025? Do we trade him for 37 first rounders? Like, what? what's going on here? Like, there's no... And so it's like the Mavericks are just sort of boxed in, but they're not, they're boxed in not only because of things that they did, but because the market is insane. And so it's just, I think maybe this is a year where if they sort of slog through it, they slog through and, and, you know, I don't know if you really slog with 50 with Luka Doncic and you slog to 50 wins, but if it might be kind of a, a less entertaining year, but you, you reset your books and then you're ready to maybe be a player at the trade deadline. Like, I don't know. It, I'm yeah. looking for some like optimism for a team that has a pretty high uh, floor. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, yeah. And there's a couple of things like one, like, I, I don't like, he, like you get Christian Wood and JaVale McGee and you lose Brunson. Like, I, I don't understand why anyone would really, 
be that contentious if you've been like, man, I don't, I'm not feeling the Mavs offseason so far. Like, I mean, that's just, I don't think that's being too critical. Um, I also don't, I like, I don't think that's nearing into like doomerism or, you know, or anything like that. Like, cause there's, there's definitely a point where, where if you're being so outrageously uh, negative or, or angry about something, it kind of drowns out your point, but I don't think we're there yet. Because, like, I mean, you watched how the team won in the playoffs and, you know, their first opening moving free agency was three years, 20, you know, given a three-year contract to 34-year-old JaVale McGee. And you're kind of like, wait, what? And, like, you lose Jalen Brunson and it's like, wait, what? And, like, you know, it it might make more sense in, like, four weeks, but it's fair for people to question it right now until something happens. And, and like, I don't – like, I just don't think that's outlandish. And then – you know, the other part of it is going forward is I, I wonder if it's going to be a quiet off season if they end up not doing anything else. I mean, they still, when you talk about the KP trade, they still owe a pick. Like, they haven't yep. gotten off the KP trade yet. That's like, why, yeah. yeah. It's a, a, and, and you think about it and you think, okay, the KP trade was the biggest move they made in the first, in Luke, Luke for the entirety of Luca's uh, rookie contract. Like, that was their biggest swing at trying to get a second All Star. Um, now Luca starts his second contract and he's got four years plus a, an option. Presumably when they give up that Cape, the final KP pick after this season and it goes to the Knicks in 2023 draft, they'll be restocked. You know, they can start trading draft picks, you know, more freely and, you know, they can trade the 2025 pick and the 2027 pick and 2029 pick and whatever they could start, you know, they'll be closer, you know, right now because of the protections on the 2023 pick, I don't think they can even trade, 2025 yet right because like there's technically a chance they keep their 2023 picks it's very it's got, confusing right this right like, the rules for. yeah the rules are terrible but they you know once they get off the kp trade they're a little bit more uh they can start trading picks a little bit easier but you think about it like okay kp trade was the big swing for luca's rookie deal i mean realistically they probably have one more swing on luca's next contract like if you think about you know they took one swing and 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 it and it cost them four. You know they had to wait Luca's rookie year out before it even finished, giving up the cape the, the second pick in the KP deal. Presumably, whenever they make their they're gonna make another big move. Like they're not just gonna keep holding water. Presumably, you know sign. You know I love Reggie Bullock, but I I can't imagine they're just gonna keep signing three for thirty dollar million dollar contracts for the rest of Luke. like they're gonna make another swing on that guy whether it's free agency or trade but if it's trade like they have to make their next big move count like they cannot have another kp trade because if they have another kp trade uh luca's second contract is over and he could then he can actually start to put pressure on you instead yep. of the make-believe pressure that you know everyone kind of talked about when his rookie year they're like oh that's that's down the road that's that's a while that's like five years away that's six years away well now it's like two or three years away and if you make another big trade you have to hit on it so i wonder if there's going to be some caution with the front office and decision making in terms of when they're going to make that next big move because if they if they make another big move presumably they're going to trade what the 2025 and the 2027 first rounder. Like they could do that for another guy that they think is going to be an all-star to play next to Luca and win a title. Okay. You do that. You don't have another pick to trade for, you don't have more picks to trade for a couple more years. And all of a sudden it's 
Luca option time and <laughs> like you, they gotta be like the the runway is gone. Like the margin for error is has slowly crept away. Like every move they make now is further under the microscope and they gotta work. Like the the wiggle room I, I just don't think is there anymore. And I know that sounds negative, no. but I also think like I mean they're gonna get cap room back in a couple of years. They're gonna get their pit like they're gonna have the ability to make a big move. Like they're not hamstrung for like the next five years. The thing is, is they just they have to nail it now. They just don't. They're not going to have the ground to make up if they do another KP type trade where it doesn't work. Um, and to be honest, they're. I mean, think about how fortunate they are that they turned that KP situation into somewhat of a net, a net win with Dinwiddie. Like, <laughs> like imagine if Dinwiddie wasn't good. Like, and which is what I think everyone kind of expected with how he looked in Washington. So. Um, they're actually in probably a better spot than they should be uh, considering how bad the KP trade kind of blew up for them. So yeah, I I think they'll be okay. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's money time. They got the next big move has to be, has to work. Well, that's why I think that's why I, I keep thinking of it kind of as a take your medicine year, at least for where we are right now, because everyone that I chat with, I've I've gotten people to understand with the picks market stuff until the market settles a little bit you have to hold on to your picks like they're your, one of your most important right. resources which means the Mavericks can't offload any bad salary by sending away a pick cuz that's what happened to LeBron James's uh, first Cavs team is they they signed a bunch of bad deals then kept having to offload people by sending out but when they were just sort of swapping stuff around and that the Mavericks are in a better situation than the Cavaliers ever were and you know LeBron at that point in time was you know a better player than Luca um maybe not I know that's gonna make people mad but it's it's like LeBron James we're talking about like this isn't this isn't heresy um but I feel better about where the Mavericks are relative to those Cavs teams um and so I I just I think that if you just go with the team that the Mavericks have, you find a third ball handler in some way, shape, or form. Um, the joke was somebody sent me a joke where it's like, man, bet we'd love to have Trey Burke right now. It's like, oh God, it's dark. Um, <laughs> but this is also just, why. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, then you sort of see where where we are. And if the Mavericks, you know, get the Luka Doncic who started the 2019-2020 season, nearly all of our concerns go away because for me and for you and we've stated this before and it's worth stating again in an 82 game season right now i'm counting on 65 games from luca not 75 and those 10 games make all the difference yeah exactly and i think you know another thing to kind of i'm sorry to keep rambling about my point from before but this is why like you talk about taking their medicine and, and kind of resetting, you know, you reset the cap in 2024, you reset your picks when you get rid of that KP pick, but it's like, this is why like they might not trade. Like if, if Utah wants a first for, for Boyan Bogdanovich, if you're the Mavericks and you still owe a first to New York, like, can't do it. Yeah. You can't like, cannot do it. Right. Or if, <laughs> if, you know, I, I keep saying that they want, you know, I keep thinking Jordan Clarkson ends up on the team. If they hold firm, f- hold firm on a first round pick, like you just you can't. Like they they just they're gonna have to, like you said, take their medicine. Like they're at the point now where they can't trade any more first round picks. I think 
until this KP trade kind of finalizes, unless it's like a no brain, you know, unless they're getting a certified all-star back. But in terms of like getting another really high quality role player, they just have to wait because they can't keep punting these picks unless they're getting like a guy that they're going to build or with Luca around for, for the next couple of years. And they think it's going to be an all-star. Like they just, they just have to wait. And that sucks because if that makes means they misses out, they miss out on a Bogdanovich or they miss out on a Jordan Clarkson, that's going to make this year harder than it probably needs to be. But I think at the end of the day, I'd rather them do that than just keep throwing picks down the, you know, down the drain for these marginal, for a marginal improvement when, Hey, you got Luca. You could probably get by this season um, without having to trade a first rounder for a rotation guy. Let's just kind of maybe see where it's at, where you're at yeah. after the season, and and go from there. But you know, like it might it might not be as fun. But I mean, with Luca, who knows? I mean, that's the other thing. Like the first 35 games were not fun. No, they <laughs> weren't. The last, like the last 50 games were really fun, and so like you, it it, it evens out to where we're like, oh, that was a really nice season. And it, it, it wasn't, it was a, it was a journey <laughs> is what it was. And that's okay. Anyway, we're almost towards the end here. You and I, yeah. like we're, we got a, like, we got a long kind of, you know, off season ahead of us. Like, I think we'll probably try to focus a little the next time we talk to see if there's anything more specific that that's out there. Um, we have some interesting pieces up on the site. You wrote about the, um, just like the picks market being like why it's so difficult for the Mavericks to do anything. I have an odds piece that I've been tasked with writing by SB nation that I need to get up at some point. Our guy, David Trink, David does, he's a, he's a grad student out at Texas A&M who doesn't write for us too much. He participated in Dorian Finney Smith's workout yesterday and his which was the thing that I just missed entirely. Like, I, I don't know how this happened that like none of us noticed this and he's going to write about what it was like uh, uh, being put through a Dorian Finney-Smith workout. Yeah. Like JJ Barea retired. Like there's been some new, like Luka Doncic uh, and Goran Dragic apparently hooked Shaq up with like a house on the beach when he went to like somewhere in, in Slovenia. Like I just saw this right before we got on. Like there's always like weird math stuff happening. I'm probably going to host a, a Spotify live maybe tomorrow. I don't know. I, I tried to play basketball yesterday and I actually didn't do bad, but like I woke up today feeling like I was in a car accident. So Josh and I didn't even know if we were going to do this, <laughs> but gotten it out. So, all right. Um, do you got any far parting thoughts before we go? Um, I would just say, since this is our first podcast in a while, um, I would just, I know that there was, couple of weeks ago we kind of hinted at it when we were talking about like the reaction to this off season there was uh, i try not to do this but i did it and i got you know a little tw- twitter kerfuffle and uh i just don't want to bring it up or get into it uh but other than just saying i really appreciate um the support that came out of that um and it really meant a lot to me to see the reactions to from my peers from our fans from just anybody that's interacted with me uh, or interacted with my work, whether writing or on the podcast. So uh, I just wanted to thank anyone who reached out, whether it was a DM or, or a reply or, or what have you, and just wanted to let you know how much it meant to me. And uh, it, it, it really helped. Uh, I really appreciated it. Well, guys, Kirk and Josh, we'll be back at some point. You know, it's August and uh, 
No, it's not. It's July. It feels like August. <laughs> man. This, this heat is just... Yeah. <laughs> we got a couple more months. That's right. <laughs> it's like I looked at the I looked at the uh, the well, like weather.com and it's just, it's 100 for the next 10 days. And I'm like, we've had 100 for at least, it's like 20 days in a row. Like this is, this is all my fault. I moved to Texas and it gets even hotter. So, yep. all right, guys, we'll talk to you in a few days. Everybody be good and stay hydrated.